Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys, be and don't. Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. We are going to get into some topics to debate. The interesting thing about today's Scout versus Scout is I have no idea where Kyle sides on any of these issues. So we'll see if we both agree or not. You are laughing a lot as I work through this introduction. What's going on, dude? You all right? You, had, you make it? You had no idea what to do. I just powered through it. I've become a pro. Hey, look at this. What is this? Podcast number 5,000 for the two of us. Listen, this is this is like Draft Dudes episode 256 or something like that. And we had how many with Locked On? A million? Uh, we were at, no, not Locked On. Over 100. We were at like 120 or something like that. Between 120 and 140 episodes. So you add all that together, plus the live video stuff you and I have done together. I mean, like how many hours of recorded dialogue between you and I are there that exists for people to, to listen to? Terrifying to think about, really. Yeah. So I don't know if I can be surprised. You know what I mean? Like, Joe, go ahead and give it to me. Come in and, and jump in on my intro. I'm just going to power through. I'm going to keep pounding. That's right. It's only fitting as a Charlotte native that you'll yeah. take that in stride and just Hashtag keep pounding. Now, Joe Marino of a year and a half ago wouldn't have been able to make it through it. We all know. We've seen the outtakes on some of my uh, my moments where the giggles take over and stuff. But I think I've settled in now that I'm in my uh, – Yeah, you totally jinx yourself next time we're recording live together. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I feel good about where I'm at. Well, yeah, I, I'm glad you do. I feel good about where you're at too, Joe. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Special buddies. Kooky and fun, right? That song? Yeah, no. What's that from? Oh, man. I don't even know. I just have a buddy from high school that used to sing it all the time. Um, so anyway, today on Draft Dudes, let's get, let's get back on track here, Joe. We're going to be debating the Heisman front runner, and we're also going to be talking about uh, the Cleveland Browns becoming public enemy number one by trading one Josh Gordon to the New England Patriots in return for a conditional fifth-round draft selection. Uh, Joe, the stipulation on this trade is if Josh Gordon does not play 10 games for the New England Patriots, uh, the New England Patriots will get their fifth-round draft selection back. So the risk here for New England is what exactly? Nothing. Zero. <laughs> Nothing at all. I, I think the the big talking point from my perspective on this is, was this the right thing for the Browns to do? 
you know, you have a transcendent talent like Josh Gordon, and you know the impact that he can have on a team that, you know, just look, it needs playmakers. You saw, you know, he hasn't done much this year, but his touchdown catch against Pittsburgh in week one was the reason that game even had a chance for the Browns to win. Obviously, the missed field goals were the story there. But, um, you know, like it, his impact on the field was is capable of being significant. Um, and so was this the right thing for them to do? And that's kind of what I want to get into because I have a pretty strong take on that. I know that trading him to the Patriots is like a, you know, kind of a kick in the ass to everyone because you just feel like it's going to be like Randy Moss 2.0 or something. Just a player that Tom Brady is going to be able to connect with and put up stupid numbers with, and the Patriots are going to be hard to stop, and they're just going to win the AFC again. But my my real angle here is, do you think the Browns should have moved on from Josh Gordon? Well, it's a complicated question, right? Because, like, they went through so, so much together, and then John Dorsey comes in, and he's in his first full year as the general manager of the team. And um, well, apparently he hurt his hamstring at, what was it, a promotional shoot? Mm-hmm. And then didn't show up on time to the facilities the next day and didn't, didn't tell anybody about it and didn't, didn't correspond with anybody. And it, it seemed like it was like the lack of accountability with the situation at hand that they were like, yeah, you know what, just like we're done. You know, we can only, we can only stand behind you for so long. And, and we stood behind you when you got the help that you needed, which was the most important thing for Josh. But then if there's going to be this lack of professionalism that goes in tail with not showing up for treatment and whatever the context was behind the hamstring injury, which I was told, you know, he was, would have been fine to play week two, like never mind week three. Now that he's traded to new England, like, from the people that I talked to, they said, I mean, the hamstring injury is not bad enough that Josh couldn't play. And all of those conditions kind of coming together, it just kind of felt like, okay, this just, there's no change here. So I understand why they did it. It's funny though, that after everything that they've been through, something like this can be the straw that breaks the camel's back, but it's a new regime and they don't have time to mess around anymore. Like from a coaching staff's perspective, Hugh Jackson needs to win football games. We're at that point now. They choked away two wins to start the year. And um, there's other things Hugh could be doing to get wins for his football team. But in the meantime, he needs all hands on deck. And if you're not going to do that and you're not going to be able to set yourself up for success, I understand why Cleveland would move on, especially with John Dorsey here in his first year as the general manager, not playing games with his football players. Kyle, do you know how many catches Josh Gordon has since the start of the 2015 season? 19. I was going to say 15. 19 catches. Um, Look, uh, it's hard to say, but I think that this was the right move for the Browns to move on from Josh Gordon. His production and his ability to – produce for this football team since 2013 really to be honest with you has been abysmal he's been unreliable and I'm not trying to be insensitive to him and his personal struggles and the growth and the issues that he's facing those demons and and working through that I am I am for people 
But eventually there becomes a point in time where you need to be available. You need to be reliable. And he's not been any of those things for this team. And I think too many people gave him a pass for just basically sitting out camp. You know, we kind of speculated and thought maybe the hard knocks thing kind of pushed him away and maybe it wasn't good for him to be part of that. He just wasn't there, dude. Like, I don't know what your problem is. You knew that this was on your calendar for your the entire year. Like, you needed to have your together going into camp and being ready 100% focused on this football team. You know, I think it's easy sometimes to, like, look at this from the outside and have our own opinions and think about what way things are going. But this is a group of men that are tasked with performing and making a football team and trying to turn around a franchise and have a rare opportunity to play in the NFL. And we need to hold those people to a standard. And you can only cater to Josh Gordon for so long. And so, yeah, maybe it is whatever. He got hurt in a promo shoot, didn't show up for work on time, and that led to him being traded. But that wasn't just it, right? It was all of these things compounded since 2012 that said, hey, look, we can't, we, we, we just got to move on. We, we can't have you around here. You are being treated differently than all the other 53 men on this team. And it's not acceptable anymore. And so we're sending the wrong message to our locker room. You know, and it's like, I'm not going to try to like say I know everything because I saw hard knocks, right? I know that it's a selective small sample size of what really goes on. But there was just something weird about the way that Hugh Jackson responded to Josh Gordon. He didn't respond to him like a guy that just wasn't there. I felt like he compromised his vision for the team for Josh Gordon. And for that reason, I really give John Dorsey a lot of credit for kind of stepping in here. And I'm sure that this wasn't a move. I'd highly doubt if Hugh Jackson was, like, agreeable to this. Like, yeah, we should definitely let him go because he's been so amenable to every request it feels like Josh Gordon has. I give John Dorsey a lot of credit here for saying enough is enough. We need to move on without you. Even if that means getting a bag of peanuts back in return, we're sending the wrong message to this team, and we need to build this culture the right way. Now we, I like this for the Browns. I like it for the Patriots, if that's even possible. Now, what's the uh, what do you think the ramifications are here for the Patriots? Because I think it's an interesting fit, and you know, you kind of alluded to everybody's assuming, like, oh my God, it's Randy Moss all over again. Let's pump the brakes, right? When I look at Gordon and his projection, so many receivers have come into New England, and that's either that's an offense that you either get or you don't because so much of what they do is predicated on reading coverage after the snap and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. being able to pick that up quickly is not you know that's something i think people take for granted here so josh gordon coming in in week 3 being expected to step in like i don't know how much he's going to get on his plate right away and it was a move that the Patriots needed to, to do. Obviously, they'll get Julian Edelman back from, from the PED suspension that he's currently serving mm-hmm. after week four. But, I mean, they have, what, five, four receivers on the roster? It was like Philip Dorsett, Corey Coleman, um, Chris, Hogan. Chris Hogan, and Cordell Patterson. Patterson. Like, that's your wide receiver room. So, like, this, from a personnel perspective and a, ta- stand, a talent standpoint, it's a great move for New England. The question is, how can Josh Gordon assimilate himself into this locker room, into this offense with this coaching staff and the importance that they place on being expected to be where you're supposed to be 
every single play. You know, we've seen Bill Belichick pull the plug on guys for two mistakes. You make two two mistakes in a short amount of time. He's like, forget it. You can't be where you're supposed to be. We're, we can't play with you right now. Yeah, and that's why Corey Coleman was never going to make it there. He couldn't figure out where to line up after two years in, in Cleveland or however long. Corey couldn't run his way out of a paper bag, dude. It, it, it was never going to happen in New England. But I think there's three examples that we can go through here with uh, the Patriots and them bringing in receivers. And I know none of these guys are Josh Gordon. I get that. But you look at Michael Floyd. You look at Kenny Britt. You look at Chad Johnson. All three players kind of brought in kind of weirdly, right? Thought maybe they could find a home there, and it just doesn't happen, right? It just doesn't always happen with the Patriots. So I don't think it's smart for us to assume that Josh Gordon is just going to all of a sudden be that Randy Moss guy, right, That where it did work out. But I think it's a wise investment. There's no law. There's no risk. Yeah. There's just no There's risk. There's literally no downside so, for New England. And so somebody yeah, put the, the somebody put a tweet out was like, watch New England like clinch the division early and they sit Gordon at, with like the starters for the last two games of the year, and they don't have to get, they don't have to give Cleveland their pick. Yeah. Like that would be something like quintessential Patriots, wouldn't it? Yeah, dude, yeah, that'll happen, right? Yeah, it's I don't know. I, and if there's a place for Josh Gordon, it's probably New England, right? I, I believe that. I know that it's like easy to say, well, why didn't my favorite team trade a fifth round pick for Josh Gordon? Well. Not every team is ready to take in a player like that. New England is, right? Not every team's ready to take on plethoras of players, right? Like we've talked about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes and his landing spot in Kansas City with Andy Reid and the conditions there to sit behind Alex Smith for 15 games, get a trial start once the, the playoff spot was locked up, make that transition, the personnel moves that Kansas City brought in. This is a perfect match made in heaven. But if you're the Cleveland Browns, or if you're, I don't know, who else is terrible receivers? Like, if you're a team that doesn't have, Bills. if you're the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns, you can't sit there and, and lament not drafting Patrick Mahomes if your team had the chance to do that. Because it feels like it's a perfect storm of, and this is what all great all-time great quarterback, and I don't want to put Patrick Mahomes on that pedestal right now, but if he turns into being an all-pro caliber player, the vast majority of these are a pairing of a head coach and a quarterback that are a perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Don Shula, Dan Marino, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. The list goes on and on and on with the all-timers. So those are specific conditions that you have to capture that lightning in a bottle. Yeah, scenario is huge. So, I mean, if you're kicking yourself because your team didn't trade for Josh Gordon, take a deep breath. Like, there's like I would not have wanted the Miami Dolphins to trade for Josh Gordon because I don't want Josh Gordon running around in South Beach. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're really honest with yourself and who Josh Gordon has been historically as a person and the struggles that he's had to fight through. What worse place could you possibly go than Miami or like Los Angeles? Not good. Not good. Joe, you want to talk about the Heisman? Yeah, the Heisman. The Heisman. So on Monday, I did Heisman hopefuls profiled for the Draft Network, my current leaderboard of the top fives. Uh, Joe, have you read this or no? Yeah, I read everything. All right, so you're familiar with the the listing. 
I do not know who your choice is as of right now for the 2018 Heisman Trophy. It's early. It's very early. We're going into week four. But, Joe, I'm going to let you lead things off here, and I want you to tell me and pitch me on who you think the leading candidate is right now for the 2018 Heisman Trophy. Let me start off by saying how difficult I think this is, right? It's so early. There's so much to be determined. And the guy that I was like, gun to head, who's your pick? It's Tua Tagovailoa. What? Oh, no. What? I look, I went for it there. It didn't work go well. So, Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Tua Tagovailoa. Tua Tagovailoa. From Alabama. Tua, from here on out. I gave that my best shot there. Could laugh worse than the intro, man. Yeah, the problem with Tua, man, is he's just not going to play a lot. Yeah. I know that sounds stupid, but between like the the rotation with Jalen Hurts and the tide just going to be up by a million points all the time, he's just not going to be in enough to really put up the stats. I mean, when he's in, he's unbelievable. Like his per drive statistics are unbelievable, man. And like it's hard for me to like think, yeah, this isn't the best player in college football. But at the end of the day, the production's going to have to be there, and I think that it's just he's going to be lagging behind. Um. A name that really pops for me, A.J. Dillon running back from Boston College, who you didn't mention, Kyle, and I want to know why. This guy's averaging seven over seven yards a carry, 432 yards, fifth in the nation. He's on the 3-0 and uh, Boston College Eagles, and he is basically that offense. He's got a good offensive line, and uh, you know the, the receivers and quarterbacks have been way better than I anticipated for Boston College. But, yeah, and that dude, that dude's making some big-time plays for them. I think he's definitely in this discussion. Um, so he's not my leader, and I know that's what you asked me was for my leader. I'm going with Kyler Murray. Uh, the numbers are there. He's had the big moments. He's running it around a little bit. He's hitting big plays. And uh, for me, he's just like the, the combination of production, big moments so far. And uh, I think that's going to matter. Although, like I said, I think Tua really just feels like he's it, but he's just not going to have the numbers. Yeah, so there's some pretty crazy numbers about Tua Tagovailoa, Joe. Uh, He has 50 pass attempts through three games. Uh, Will Greer has more pass attempts in two games. (laughs) Uh, Dwayne Haskins has almost twice as many passing attempts in three games. So... As you said, I just think it's a question of volume. Yeah, I mean, two has had has great numbers. He has nine total touchdowns, and he's second in the country in passer rating. And he's thirteen for thirteen on third down for two hundred ninety eight yards and six touchdowns through three games. I mean, that's that's unbelievable numbers. But at the end of the day, you know, Hertz is going to steal a couple reps. You know, he's going to get a lot of garbage time because they want to keep him fresh. Uh. The skill players there in Alabama, they like to run the football. No, this is never going to be a team that's going to drop back and sling it. I think you look at the top three, and with all due respect to A.J. Dillon, what is Boston College's final record going to be this year, Joe? Because unless it's a a win number that starts with a one, I don't think it's going to be enough. Might not be, yep. So that's why A.J. Dillon was not on my list, because I'm still projecting forward. I'm looking forward from here. So my top three were Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, and Will Greer. And West Virginia sets up really nice 
Man, they're 2-0. and they, they had the game at NC State canceled. I don't know if they're going to make that game up. Uh, West Virginia has an open date on October 20th, but they play uh, home against Baylor on the 25th on a Thursday. They're not putting that game in there. So now you're talking about feasibly, if you want to reschedule that game, you'd have to schedule it in December. Well, there's no incentive for, for West Virginia to, to reschedule this game because they're 2-0. and They put an ass-kicking on Tennessee in Charlotte. They dropped the people's elbow on Youngstown State. They're scheduled from here. Joe, this weekend I will be in Morgantown for home against Kansas State. Win or loss? Win. Uh, it's a win. Yeah, they're home. It's a win. On the road at Texas Tech. Win. Home against Kansas. Win. Ah, Kansas, man. They're on a streak here. On the road at Iowa State. Win. Home against Baylor. Win. All right, so we're undefeated going into November. If you take Will Greer off this football team, is this team undefeated? Probably not. I think that, and that's because I don't know who their freaking backup is, but Will Greer's good. So this team, this schedule sets up very favorably to play the four best teams in the conference, Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, in the last four games of the regular season in the build-up to the Heisman campaign. So he's going to have a huge platform. He's playing TCU and Oklahoma at home, on the road against Oklahoma State, and on the road against Texas. That November 23rd showdown, Oklahoma and West Virginia, that may be a Heisman candidate showdown. Yeah, because Oklahoma is a very good football team. West Virginia sets up. They could be coming into this football game with one loss, maybe two losses. But if they take care of the business that they're supposed to, I don't see them having any more than two losses coming into this football game. And the offense is Will Greer. He's going to put up monster numbers. He already has. He's averaging 380.5 yards per game, and he's third in the country in passer rating throw nine touchdowns in 60 pass attempts with a favorable schedule leading into November. So for those reasons, that's why I'm currently leaning Greer, even though I do want to acknowledge, yeah, Murray's got some awesome numbers, some awesome tapes, some awesome plays. But I think if you look at the skill players around them and you take that into context, Oklahoma has a ton. Like CeeDee Lamb's really good, and like nobody talks about CeeDee Lamb because of Hollywood Brown, right? And obviously Rodney Anderson just got hurt. And uh, I think Oklahoma's talent around them could hurt his perception versus if West Virginia makes a run and is 10-1 and at the end of the regular season and they beat Oklahoma at home on November 23rd. That's a strong resume game. So... This uh, Friday, November 23rd, day after Thanksgiving game, the implications could be massive. And a uh, little programming note, you and I will both be there. Pro- Holla. Um, so there's three things that are on the line here, potentially. Number one, the Heisman Trophy. Yep. Number two, the Big 12 in terms of who's going to play in the championship game. Yep. We could see the, team, the same two teams play again the following week, right? It's, that's not out of the question. Yep. And uh, ultimately, if they're both – Cooking like we think they're going to be. I mean, playoff implications. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. This is huge. It's a monster game. Yeah. 
Big 12, man. Big 12, wild, man. It's wild. So, I mean, obviously, both of these teams need to take care of their business between now and then. Um, let me pull up the, the Oklahoma football schedule. We'll see what this looks like. It's the same schedule, right? Because it's the big, they're through their non-conference. They well, they play home so against. They've got Army. They've, they've got, got Army. Army, and then Baylor. Then Red River rivalry on October sixth. Then they're on the road against TCU. Home against Kansas State at Texas Tech. Home against Oklahoma State. Home against Kansas at West Virginia. I mean, there, there's probably going to be two or three losses split between these two teams come that November 23rd game. I'll take, I'll take uh, two or less combined. Wow. So if I set the over under two and a half, you take the under of two and a half losses between those two games. I'm taking the under. We, is this going in the bets? Is this going in the, the bets here? No, because I be, no, because I want to, I want you to be right. So I'm not going to argue okay. with you. All right. Are you telling me you're rooting against the Sammy Watkins, the Bengals and uh, you know, whoever the, I mean, just for the sake of having bragging rights over you, I'm rooting against Sammy Watkins. But I do have Sammy Watkins on one of my fantasy teams. So there's a win. I'm in a win-win scenario here. Either I'm right or my fantasy team hangs up some points. I started Sammy last week. Good. He did well for you. Yeah, Uh, Patty missed him on like a 40-yard touchdown. Would have won me my matchup. Thanks, Mahomes. Appreciate it, Mayday. Hey, Broncos also 2-0. The Broncos and Bengals are two of seven two and O teams in the NFL right now. Along with who the friggin' Bucks and Dolphins, yeah, just like we all yep. anticipated. The three Florida teams are all two and O, and then the Bengals, really? <laughs> the Bengals, wow. and the Broncos are five of the seven undefeated teams through two weeks. Who was the other two? Uh, uh, the Rams. Yeah, and let's see. Hold on, I'm doing the gymnastics in my head right now. Did Baltimore Some win? Fan base. Did they win last week? They beat the Bills, and then what happened to them? They played uh, again. They lost to the Bengals. Yeah, they did lose to the Bengals, so it's not them. Some fan base is yelling at us right now through their. All right, my producer's on the case. Give me. Is Minnesota? They tied Green Bay. It's not them. Tied. It yeah, is the, the Washington. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, one. L.A. Rams. Two. Jacksonville Jaguars, Cincinnati Three. Bengals, the Four. Kansas City Chiefs, duh. Oh, God, are idiots. You and your Sammy Watkins crush should have known this, Joe. Yeah, well, I'm only a Sammy Watkins crush, not a Chiefs crush. <laughs> you know, you know, do you know who the Bills uh, traded back for at number 10 when uh, with Chiefs? No. That was, that was us. Bills traded back to 27. Got Trey Wright in the first round pick. There you go. And the Kansas City Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes. How's Trey White treating you on that 78 points allowed defense? Trey White was not targeted one time <laughs> against the Chargers. I'm not kidding. He was not targeted one time. You think he was targeted like two or three times against the Ravens? Trey White's not the problem with defense. Everything else is the problem with defense. Dude, no pass rush. Kansas City is, has scored 80 points in two games. Progression to the means coming, right, Kyle? Do you know who has the best points allowed in the AFC? The best points allowed in the AFC? Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville? The Miami Dolphins. He played nobody. 
dude, you were all over Tennessee before the season started. Yeah, but then their whole team got uh, here. Comes the backpedal. Look, I'm just trying to save you from yourself, Cal. Dolphins are going to win less than eight games. Less than eight. I'm not sure if I agree with that or not, but I just want you to temper your enthusiasm. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up before my top blows off. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening in on this hump day episode of the Draft Dudes. Uh, Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We'll be back again tomorrow with Baby Big Boards, one of my personal favorite segments throughout the course of the week. So you guys have that to look forward to. We'll be breaking down a a five-slot big board on a topic yet to be determined. But we got a couple good concepts in the oven, so... Make sure you check back with us to do so. Uh, Make sure you hit us up on Twitter. If you have a topic you want to hear us debate, or conversely, if you would like to provide us with some takes on takes, you can tweet at us with the hashtag takes on takes and your opinion. Uh, You can reach Joe. He's on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I'm on Twitter at grinding the tape. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.